Good evening. God's grace and peace be yours as you meditate on the, the Christ and His Passion Week tonight with me. We are going to look at Peter denying that he even knows Jesus, part of what the Passion Reading was all about on Thursday night after Jesus was arrested in Gethsemane. I got a question for you. Have you ever hurt a dear friend and knew that you had done it and felt awful about it? I think I have to say, first of all, in 32 years plus of marriage, I've hurt my Mary as my very best friend and, and feel awful knowing it. But I'm thinking about a friend outside of marriage in high school that had told me a secret and, and trusted me and, pro- and I promised I'm not going to tell anyone And I think that I broke the promise in the first 24 hours. And I'm not proud of that. But I can still hear the pain in his voice and the anger when he confronted me about it. And I still can touch those feelings of being guilty as charged. That I had betrayed his confidence and hurt him deeply. And I think about that and I share that because I I want you to think about that feeling that you have if you've hurt someone deeply and you knew it and you let them down because that is about probably a hundredth of what Peter felt about denying that he knew Jesus Christ, his Lord and his master. He denied that he even knew him to save himself that night. It wasn't just what he did, denying that he knew him, but it's to whom he did it. The one that had created him and he knew it the one that he said in John 6 you have the words of eternal life where else would we go the one that he believed in and had left everything one time he said lord we've left everything to follow you what would we have in the this life and the one to come he had given it all up for this man it's who to whom he did that that he denied he knew him and then it's how he did it After he was warned about it and did it with vows, it says in the other Gospels, with bringing down curses on himself. If I really do know him and I'm lying, may I be cursed? Or maybe it was expletives sprinkled throughout. It just says he he called curses down on himself. It's that he did it with maybe from from maybe the, as close to Jesus as I am to Pastor Dan back there in that court setting in Caiaphas's house and courtyard. He, the Lord is just right over there. And he's sitting by the fire. And he denied that he even knew him. And maybe, even though there were a lot of voices being raised, that third time when he raised his voice loudly, maybe even Jesus heard how... That hit how he loudly said it. And Jesus was going to the death for him. He felt awful when he realized how far he had fallen. There are a lot of questions that, that cross our mind when you read Luke's account here. Uh, I'm going to reread it for you and, and we're going to stop and talk about it. I'll talk about it and, and we'll meditate on it. So just have page six open in your bulletin. I'm also going to refer back to something that was said earlier in a few minutes uh, on the previous pages. Then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Remember, that's, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. They have to cross the Kidron Valley and go into 
the city of Jerusalem, so it's quite a ways. It's not uh, walking from here to the edge of the parking lot. It's a little bit more like walking from here up to Parmer. And so Peter follows, it says, at a distance. And then he gets in, according to John's gospel, he gets into the courtyard with one other apostle, the one that Jesus loved, that's John, because John was known to the high priest's family. Well, if the high priest is putting Jesus on trial and the high priest's family knows John, they know he's one of Jesus' followers. John isn't feeling necessarily unsafe, that he'd have to deny that he's one of Jesus' followers. The servant girl knew who John was. She's the one that let him in, and John spoke up for Peter. So what questions we have, Peter, why did you follow him there? If all the disciples scattered out of Gethsemane has to be Peter's love and interest in Jesus, even though he's very confused now about the Christ, because Peter was the one. Luke didn't say it, but another writer did, but Vicar said it for us. He said, Peter's the one that picked up the sword. We all have heard that before, right? And tried to hack the guy's head off, but missed and only cut off his ear. Peter was trying to destroy life for the Messiah. Jesus healed that man's ear and mended what Peter had destroyed. Why did he follow him? He loved him. And he was concerned and he was confused. And maybe he even thought, it'll all make sense and I'll still be able to fight. I don't know. But then he was faced with the confrontation that you might be put in prison or in death. He's probably thinking... See, when he said, I'll go to prison and to death with you, to Jesus, well, it was over there. It's easier to talk big if it's over there. But when it's right here in front of your face and it's imminent, it's a whole different story. Especially since Jesus wouldn't let you fight when you thought you could fight earlier in that evening. Now it's right up in his face. The third guy... It says here, doesn't tell you it, what Matthew tells you and what John tells you. The third guy that said, you are also one of his followers. He was Malchus's relative. Malchus is the guy whose ear was cut off. Well, if they've arrested Jesus for being an insurrectionist and they're trying to give him the death penalty, and somebody asks you outside in the courtyard, are you the guy that tried to hurt, kill one of the guards of the temple that Caiaphas sent? Because you're one of his followers? Well, Peter knew it was prison and, and or death. But that never materialized, did it? They knew who he was. But he felt like that's what it was. And the fear overtook him. Why did God record this? And make sure it's preserved for 2,000 years of preaching, the, the story of Jesus Christ. I mean, don't you have some family failures that you don't tell people? <laughs> you don't want everybody to know it. You preserve your family member. Was it to show us how bad Peter was? I mean, certainly this is one of the two biggest sins. The betrayal of Judas, uh, you know, betraying Jesus and Peter denying him. That are part of the passion. It's not to show us how bad Peter is. It's to show us how wonderful Jesus is. 
the prophets had said all of his friends would forsake him and the hand of one of his friends, that would, the, their foot would rise up to kick him and they would, his friend would betray him and it was all written in scripture and Peter was the one that would deny him. Shows what the Lord endured. We deserved to be denied for all our sins and yet Jesus was denied by his friends so that he was bearing the punishment even in Peter's denial but that's still not the whole story if you look closely at the story of how Jesus loved Peter you can see how Jesus loves you even though you are like Peter more than you want to say not every one of you is boisterous like Peter but every one of you struggles to stay faithful and tell clearly that you're one of Jesus' followers in every setting. It's easier to do it in here, isn't it? It's harder out there in the world. Just go back with me to the very beginning of the story. I'm just going to talk about the first two lines tonight, the three, three lines on the, in the Passion reading. With that, earlier that night in Luke 22 when they were in the upper room, and they were arguing over who was the greatest. Jesus turns from that, and he's been talking about Judas would betray him. And he says to Simon in front of the group, to Peter, Simon, Simon. Well, I thought Jesus had renamed him Peter. He does call him Peter just a few words later. Why say his name twice? Mary. Mary, he said when he rose from the dead, and she said, Rabboni, you're my, my teacher. It's when you're being earnest and endearing and drawing yourself close to someone. Simon, Simon. But also, why did he say Simon instead of Peter? Perhaps he was pointing to Peter's fleshly side, because Jesus, when he called him Peter, was commenting about his spiritual side, that this Holy Spirit had created faith in his heart, and on this rock of confession of Christ, Peter, I will build my church. But Simon, you're, that's the, it's the earthly G, uh, man, Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan, knowing that you're a sinner, has asked for you. That's the second thing Jesus says, Satan has asked for you. Where's the other place in the Bible where we know Satan asked if he could tempt someone? Job, that's right. So two places it maybe gives you uh, some insight on why many times we are suffering in this life and you can't make sense out of it. Your life might be the playing field between God and Satan. He may have asked to sift you. But Peter, it's an act of grace on Jesus' part to tell Peter, the beast has asked for you. Like that time he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He's helping Peter see that his, his real battle is not against flesh and blood, but against a beast, the, the arch rival of God. Satan has asked for you by name, Simon, that he might sift you like wheat. And Satan was setting up, not just to get Jesus put to death, but he was setting up all the events of that night to take down each one of those disciples. He even entered Judah's heart. Remember? Entered Judah's heart. Prayed to sift Peter, this devil is after you, Simon. Be alert. 
but I have prayed for you. That's what it says. There is a generic word for prayed. This isn't it. This is the word for begged. That's what Peter would hear in their native tongue as they're talking, the Greek that they had learned. He would hear, but I have begged for you, Peter. I'm on your side. I'm talking to the Father. The devil's asking to sift you and I'm praying for you. That your faith may not fail. And ask yourself the question, did Peter's faith fail? And, and when, not if, if would be a whole different word in the original and in the English. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Do you see the love of Christ? I have prayed for you. I'm on your side. For you to survive this whole ordeal. I have prayed for you. And I don't want your faith to fail. We're going to hold that for a minute. We're going to get back to it. When you've turned back, you're going to fail miserably. But when you turn back, means to Peter... You're not going to stay in the state you were in your brain when you denied that you know me. Peter doesn't even know that's about to come, right, in the conversation. Strengthen your brothers. Something I blew right past that maybe you noticed, the new NIV, which is the translation you see here, picks up on it very well. Interestingly enough, the old NIV failed us in that. Look at the very middle of the top line. It says, Satan has asked to sift whom? All of you. In your old NIV, it just said you. So it sounds like he's talking to Simon. Satan's asked just to sift you. But actually, this is what Jesus says. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all y'all. And when you have turned back, strengthen all y'all. In other words, in front of those men who would be so disappointed in Peter, Jesus says, you're still going to be a leader. And I'm telling you, when you understand it and put it all together, you've got a mission that your denial does not excuse you or exempt you from. Do you see that? He laid his whole life out for him to get him past the denial and the death and resurrection so that Peter would know he was still on mission and everybody else in the room would know it also. And so the angels at the resurrection say, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And so Peter is still prominent, even though he's the one that spoke up and denied him. Oh, how Jesus loved Peter, that he prepared his heart to be able to find its way back after he denied knowing Jesus three times. So Peter says, ah, I'm not going to have my faith fail, and I'll go to prison and death. And then Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And then the story unfolds, and there he is, two servant girls, and then the third guy 
who's Malchus's relative, says, Surely you're one of them. Your voice sounds like a Galilean. And we saw you in the garden with him. In other words, we also saw you cut off my relative's ear. And Peter said, No, may I be damned if I'm one of his followers. I don't know who the man is. And the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the Lord's words. And then there was that look. That look. I just was happy in, in my own reading, just kind of paging through a book about friendship this week, and it said a, a good friend doesn't have to speak. They can speak to you with their eyes. That's a paraphrase. There could be a story in their eyes. And when Jesus looked at Peter, he ran out of the courtyard. And he wept so loud that people could hear him crying. He wept bitterly out in the the alleyway. What, what kind of tears were they? What kind of weeping was that? While Peter was crying, was his faith failing or was it winning? There was another man who cried that night. Do you remember? It was Judas. He ran into the, the other side of wherever these leaders of the Sanhedrin were. And he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. And he threw the 30 pieces of silver and they clanged all over the floor and he ran out. What were his tears? Deep sorrow and contrition? Yeah. But he had no faith anymore. He was convinced that he could not be forgiven. But Peter, when he wept, his faith did not fail him. Jesus' words, it says here at the end, look closely at the end of the text. It says he remembered the word of the Lord. And you're right if you think, well, the Lord predicted that he would deny him. I mean, that's got to be part of what he remembered. It says, verse 61, Peter The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. But what was that word? It was, that your faith may not fail, and when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. And while he was in deep contrition about what he had done, he was also had a knot tied at the end of the rope and a glimmer of faith that Jesus was going to help him find his way back. And his faith did not fail him because he didn't go out and kill himself like Judas. He waited. He waited. And he waited. And then Jesus appeared. And he said, peace be with you. Your sins are forgiven. That's John chapter 20. Peace be with you. Your sins are forgiven. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then there was that fishing trip a few days later. And Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. And like the first time when he got called to be a disciple, they didn't catch any fish all night. This time the Lord said, cast your net on the other side. He was walking on the shore. And Peter and John told Peter, that's the Lord, because they filled up their nets. And all they did was put their nets on the other side of the boat. And Peter came on shore. And Jesus already had breakfast cooking. And I don't know, is that why we had breakfast tonight for dinner? I don't know. But he already had breakfast cooking. And Peter, and then he says to Peter, do you love me? 
Oh, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he got hurt when Jesus asked it a second and a third time. And he said, you know that I love you. You know everything. And after each time Jesus said that Peter said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, feed my lambs. That's the same as what? Strengthen the brothers when you've turned back. Peter, you're forgiven. Peter, I took care of it. Just like I healed Malchus's ear, I took care of your sin of denying me. We've got a lot of work for you to do, Peter. And we don't want you wallowing around in your guilt. And we want to be able to write the story down and tell people for 2,000 years and you not have a problem with it. Because we want them to see how big I am. How forgiving I am. How restoring I am. Whoever you are, Simon, Simon, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. Your life is not over. And Satan wants to arrange your life so that you would deny Jesus. But Jesus is is praying for you. Romans 8, he intercedes for you. That your faith would not fail. And if you catch yourself in an incident refusing to speak for Christ or denying that you know Him or or giving up on the faith that you know you should have for the promises of God and sinking into fear and doubt, know this. He still has died for that sin too. And you you should weep bitterly, but you should also weep tears of relief because that's what Lent is teaching us as well. We are sorrowful and yet happy all at the same time. And know that the Lord forgives you. And this grace that I'm talking about, as you hear it all the time here, is so great and so wonderful that you need to spend your life sharing and teaching other people how wonderful it is by you living in it and by you sharing it with them so they can have the same kind of relationship with you that Peter had with Jesus. That the grace that you know about restores your relationship with them no no matter how badly they hurt you. Because you are a Christ-in. You're someone filled with the gospel. Amen.